the solution. Welcome to living in the solution workshop. Oh, there we go. Wow. Welcome to living in the solution workshop. My name is Holly G. I'm a compulsive overeater and your moderator for this meeting. Hi, everyone. Please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Before we get started, we ask that all cell phones and other electronic equipment be turned off. This session is being taped. Anyone wishing to share will be required to sign the speaker release form before sharing. To protect our anonymity, although there's a big billboard out front, no, <laughs> no photography, audio, or visual recording is allowed. The opinions expressed here today are those of the individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. An Ask It Basket will be circulated for the question and answer portion of the session. If you enjoy this workshop, we encourage you to stop by the tapes table to order copies of this session or any other session. They're available on CD or as an electronic download. The format of this session is as follows. Two speakers will share for 20 minutes each, followed by 10 minutes of questions and answers, finishing up with 10 minutes of open pitches. The topic for this session is Living in the Solution, We Are the Message. Our first speaker is Annie, and our second speaker is Joanna. Um, okay, so we're ready to go. So I, I'm really pleased to introduce our first speaker, Annie. Oh, you know, it doesn't say where to read the steps. Why don't we do the steps first? Come on up. It doesn't say. Hi everyone, I'm Shasta, I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, the 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives have become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves can, could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of per all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Shasta. Um, now it gives me great pleasure to announce our first speaker, Annie. My name's Annie, I'm a compulsive overeater and bulimic. It's a huge um, honour to be here um, today. Um, there's only two people from New Zealand in uh, San Diego and we're both here. And um, <laughs> it's a real um, pleasure. I feel quite nervous, um, but you guys are my, are my family. This was 
The first fellowship I came to, um, I came into Overeaters Anonymous uh, 18, just over 18 years ago in New Zealand in a very small town. And I was um, very sick with um, compulsive eating and bulimia and um, started working in an uh, alcohol and drug treatment centre, but they had uh, representation um, and um, outreach come into um, this hospital. And one night I was um, walking with a colleague. I'd just started working there. And um, she said, we need to get everyone into meetings. And I said, what does OA stand for? And she said, it's Overeaters Anonymous, and it's where people that um, have issues with food go in the same way that an alcoholic goes to Alcoholics Anonymous or an addict goes to Narcotics Anonymous. And I knew right then that's where I needed to be. I needed to be in the other two places too, but OA was my first um, port of call. Um, I went to that first meeting and there was a woman that had come in. She had driven two hours from um, the city to come in and bring the message of Overeaters Anonymous into the hospital. And she was in the same profession as I was and she um, had this disease and she talked about being in recovery. And I had never heard of anything, of anyone ever being um, able to be in... Um, in recovery from bulimia particularly or compulsive eating um, I thought I was destined to die of this disease and I had had um, many attempts to um, control my eating unsuccessfully over the years and I had sought help in many other places as we do I had sought help in in, uh, psychiatry and medicine um, and religion and had always not been able to um, find relief. I would always go home and compulsively eat and binge and purge. Um, I remember seeing a therapist for many years and I just could never be honest about the reality of this disease. I felt enormous amount of shame um, and didn't know how to talk about the the symptoms of of our disease. And I didn't understand that our disease, the way the the presentation of it was just the tip of the iceberg. What lay underneath is what our 12 steps are about, you know, the the underlying aspects, the denial, the rationalisation, the dishonesty, the insanity, um, that is, you know, once I stopped... um, Binging and purging, those were the things I had to learn um, to deal with, or just life, just living life normally. And, um, you know, my life had, you know, I totally understood, I totally got steps one and two very easily. I totally understood I was powerless because I had had so many attempts to control, and I understood unmanageability, and I understood insanity, and I just, like... My life consisted of um, supermarket bags, going into supermarkets, convinced people were not, was, you know, that they knew what I was doing. So if I bumped into someone I knew in a supermarket, I would always say, oh, I'm, I'm having a party, because it looked like I was having a party. You know, it was a party for one. And um, I would justify that also at the checkout, and I would switch supermarkets because I was convinced they were recognising me. You know, most of this, I'm pretty sure, was in my head. And, um, you know, I would just have bags of 
of my binge food and I would um, retreat to my room and lock the door. And it was, you know, it was just me and the food and the guilt and the shame that accompanied um, that behaviour. And I would, um, I had all sorts of crazy behaviour. I purged in many different ways and I used uh, diet pills. And so I looked kind of normal to the outside world. And I I think bulimia has that component to it. I, I didn't, my weight had varied little amounts, but not enormously. But I was killing myself through the behaviours that I was using to control my compulsive eating. And um, I needed relief from that. I had a lot of physical consequences from that behaviour. But, you know, the amazing thing is that, you know, by um, finding a sponsor, working the steps and getting, you know, abstinent and and a plan of eating that worked for me, all of those consequences pretty much... um, the body is amazing. The physical body, you know, has the ability to heal under the right circumstances, and um, that goes for our emotional health and our spiritual health as well. And I love the analogy of the um, the three-legged stool. You know that I need I need physical, emotional, and spiritual recovery all together. You know, like I'm still really attracted to um, reading about and the possibility of trying fad diets because that really was my thing. Um, but, you know, what, what I know is that they are a short-term solution. What I know is I go crazy and obsess about them. And I can't make any changes with my food or my behaviour without having God with me. I cannot do anything without a spiritual component. And I have tried many times, and um, I know this to be true, Step three was a little bit more difficult for me, even though when I look back now, I was definitely at death's door with this disease. However, um, I still thought I could control. I still thought I could, the next fad diet would fix me, um, the next whatever. Um, but eventually, just coming into the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous and hearing other people sharing, you know, that my surrender happened slowly over time, that I understood that this disease is progressive, that um, it only gets worse over time, and that I could either choose at 26 to step off that insanity, or I could continue to go down, and I made the choice, um, along with you guys, to step off that crazy train and um, seek recovery here. And I was so terrified, like going onto a food plan for me was absolutely terrifying because I'd used so many purge behaviours, I was pretty convinced that I was going to gain enormous amounts of weight and I had a lot of anxiety about that. But, you know, I just, I I did a lot of meetings, a lot of meetings and I would just share my insanity because it was, but I didn't understand that at the time about those things and just just keep doing um, what other people told me it was working for them and I heard lots of things along the way too you know about self-acceptance and about um, self-love and and helping other people and um, taking care of myself which were things that were completely foreign to me and as those things started to grow in me as I worked the steps you know the thought of acting out compulsively in my disease felt very abusive to my body and to my spirit and it started to become less and less um, like an option I wanted to take and so um, 
I started to learn to take other healthy behaviours when I couldn't deal with life. And I did a lot of crying and I did a lot of um, talking and a lot of um, reading. I like to understand stuff. I read a lot of our literature and um, I started um, carrying the message within that hospital because that was our only meeting in the town I, I got abstinent in. And um, for bigger meetings, I would need to travel two hours to the city, and I did that on my days off um, and heard the message there as well from the wider fellowship. And I, I really am deeply grateful. You know, it was um, the message that was carried to me over and over again was that I didn't need, I didn't need, the, the way it was said to me initially, I didn't understand. She said, you'd need never eat again. And I'm like, what? Isn't that like anorexia? But what she was, <laughs> what she was meaning is eat compulsively again. And um, that really helped me. And that message just keep coming to me, keep coming to me every meeting I went to. Um, and I just, you know, my ears stayed open. You know, I, I had... When I trained as a nurse, there were I lived in a, in New Zealand. We call them nurses' homes. So when I was a student nurse, we all lived together, um, like on a campus in a hospital. And eating disorders were the norm amongst our nursing population. And um, I saw people admitted to hospital. I saw people really unwell from this disease. And I knew that's that's what would happen to me too. Um, and I knew that's not what I wanted. What I wanted was in here, was a way to heal, was a way to heal. Um, heal from my childhood pain, um, a way to heal um, from a lack of spirituality in my life, a way to heal from the unmanageability that I had created. And, you know, I found that healing um, working the steps. And the first... Um, the first time I went through the steps was terrifying, particularly step four and five. Um, but I had a very loving, very loving sponsor who had been in this program for a long time. She was an older woman, and she, um, I was, you know, I was 26, and she was 60 something. And I thought she would balk at some of the things I had done, but she never. I never saw her eyebrows shoot up once. She just. <laughs> just nodded and um, you know she said you used food exactly the way you used drugs and alcohol in men you know you used them to make yourself feel better and it was such a simple way of understanding it and I am an addict to the core and um, that the manifestations of that disease for me um, include compulsive eating and bulimia and I'm grateful to understand and know that today. You know, it, when I wake up in the morning, I know that, and I and I give, you know, I give thanks for that. And when I'm walking, you know, by myself and just, you know, connecting to a power beyond myself, you know, I'm super grateful that this fellowship was established. You know, many miles away from where I was in New Zealand, but um, there was a long history of Overeaters Anonymous here in the states and. Um, I was, you know, I felt grateful and it's, it's really nice now to be here in the States where Overeaters Anonymous started and to be going to meetings here, um, easily being able to get to meetings here um, and a very loving, understanding fellowship and a very loving and understanding sponsor um, who is guiding me, continuing to guide me 
through um, this program. Um, and for me, it's been about learning to be loving and gentle on myself and stop worshipping perfectionism, stop worshipping perfectionism in my food plan, in my life, in my work life, in my physical appearance, you know, just being okay with who I am and who I am in the world and um, honouring, you know, the gifts that um, my higher power has given me and honouring the gifts your higher power has given you too. And that helps me to stay in some sort of balance. And when I'm out of balance, I am like super judgmental and intolerant. And today that's a, um, that is a clue, it is a hint that I am doing that internally to myself. So when I find myself doing that, like scrolling through Facebook and criticising every single post I see, I'm like, maybe I need to look at myself. Um, so <clears throat> I understand my defects of character are there to teach me something. They're an opportunity to um, practice this program that I don't have to be perfect and nor will I ever be um, in any area of my life and nor do I want to be And accepting my humanness. Um, has been a really big part of recovery from compulsive overeating. Um, just accepting myself in the world and taking my place in the world, you know, taking my place um, in my family and in my community at that time and now. Um, and in my marriage, I came here to the States a year ago and got married. And, um, and so learning to show up as a decent wife you know, it's, it's all new, and, um, and as a decent friend, and it's felt like um, for me being a newcomer again, and that's okay, I'm okay with being new today, I'm okay with needing to learn again to reach out and form a solid support network of people that are there for me. Um, at, when I came in there were no cell phones um, and now there are and it's made my life much easier I love being able to text my support network here and over at Anonymous and get that love back and have people text me and ring me and give me the opportunity to give back to this fellowship in some sort of, in some sort of way and the thought of speaking I was really nervous but you know, when I think about it it's the least that I can do to give back to a fellowship that has absolutely given me my life back and given me more than what my life was. So I'm, yeah, it's, it's such an incredible um, honour to be here and to be continuing that growth onwards. And we, I heard someone share recently that if we need a message of hope, we just need to look in the mirror, and I love that. Look in the mirror, and there is the programme in action each day. Um, And um, I work another fellowship, and um, you know there are a lot of a lot of people with other addictions that also have this disease, and so I try and reach out the hand um, of OA there too, and um, that's been a real privilege. So I'm not too sure where I am in terms of time right now. Three minutes, lovely. So yeah, I'll um, wind it up, but I. Um, You know, I'll just finish by saying that, um, you know, the, the connection, I mean, I know it, the big book was written to um, enable people with a disease to find um, a power greater than themselves. It says that in there. And so I know that that is the key for me and my program in Overeaters Anonymous, um, is to find a loving, 
something beyond myself. And that is a journey that continues um, every day. Um, and I use it right down into the little moments where I'm deciding what to eat. Um, or I'm, um, I'm in the supermarket. You know, like, my higher power is a practical one. You know, it's, um, it's a loving higher power. And, it, and feeling that love, it has enabled me to feel love for myself. It has enabled, enabled me to feel love for you, which are things that um, I could not do when I came here. So pretty much I feel my whole life has been, um, you know, gifted. It's been a gift, and I need to treat my recovery as a gift and continue to treasure it. So I'll leave it there. Thank you so much for allowing me to share here. Thank you, Annie. Is uh, Joanna here? Um, could we keep the ask a basket moving around, and then we'll have those questions in a few minutes? Okay. So I'm Holly, compulsive overeater. Hi, everyone. It's a real pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for your share. It's exactly what I needed to hear today. Um, I, I came over from the San Fernando Valley. I'm um, 12 years abstinent and 140 pounds down from my top weight. So I um, live. Thank, thank you. I live. You know, I lived my life um, 280 pounds the whole time until I was 46 years old and came to Overeaters Anonymous. Um, it, if I had my pictures, I could show you the picture I have in my picture book that I was, you know, five years old. I was, I was overweight, very overweight. So I just lived my life like that. I lived my life um, wanting to be absolutely invisible. And I was, it, I was anything but invisible, but that's how I felt inside. I just wanted to be invisible. I wanted to fly under the radar. I didn't want to be noticed, and I wanted to be noticed. I didn't want to have any attention on me, and I was, I, I just didn't know what else to do. I, th that's how I, I was out of, out of integrity with myself all the time. Although, if you, it, when I think about it, when I was younger, you know, I didn't know that. I was just extremely, extremely uncomfortable with myself. And with everybody else, by the way. I didn't want to talk to anybody. So... I grew up back east and um, moved out here when I was 30. Uh, like I said, I've never been at a healthy body weight in my life. Um, uh, when I got out here, the problem didn't get better. I, I really thought it would, moving across the country would make the problem better. It did not get better, although what it did was it introduced, it, it introduced me to a new profession. It also introduced me to people here that were in 12-step programs. There was, I, I never heard of Overeaters Anonymous when I was back east. Um, so thank God I ended up here. I ended up in a, in a profession. I ended up um, running into people and meeting people that are in this program that I could follow in, thank God, because um, without that, I, I, try, I tried everything I could think of to lose weight. And then other times in my life, I wasn't trying to do anything. There was no, I wasn't trying to lose, I, I just resigned myself to the fact that I was going to walk around at 280 pounds. Um, I would get up to 280 pounds, and that was a weight that I felt extremely uncomfortable with. 
I would diet my way down to about 240. That's what I could do. I could do about 40 pounds diet down, and I'd go right back up. 240, I felt really good. Can you imagine? I was so used to that. I felt okay at 240. Not inside, but, you know, I could move around. Then I would get up to 280 again, and I would, I, I, I couldn't, you know, I would be really uncomfortable. So I know, oh, you know, I have to do something. Um, I was afraid of everybody, 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 I was afraid, um, and everything. So, and yet, I moved myself out to California. Um, like I said, I started a new profession, and I just, wor- I just worked through it. Elbows out, get out of my way, you know. And not very many friends. Let's just leave it at that. Um, so what happened was I came into program when I was, uh, like I say, I was 46, August of 2002. Um, I had been in for a couple years in 1993, um, and I didn't, I didn't do the work, so guess what? I didn't stay. It was really easy to walk right back out. My life improved a little bit. Um, I got into a good relationship, and that was that. I just walked right back out of program. Um, so August of 2002, let's start there. There's, I was not any different weight. I can't tell you exactly what happened in that summer, but I got, I real, I, maybe I realized I wasn't feeling anything anymore. I had no feelings whatsoever. I was flatline dead. And that felt really bad. So what I did was I, I, had, I realized I had to come back to the program. I, I didn't know anything. I was, out of, I was totally out of ideas. I, and I hope for any newcomers that are here that you're out of ideas because that is how I came in August of 2002, and that's what worked, to walk in and just start listening and know that there's, I don't have any other solutions. I'm out of it. I'm, I'm done. So I, st- I got a sponsor within a month, and I started to work the program, And what I found was she was giving me assignments, and I was writing, and I did it. I actually did everything she said. I went to meetings. We have we are very very blessed in the San Fernando Valley. It's we have a big inner group. There are tons of meetings, so that wasn't an issue. I could go to a meeting, you know, anytime, any place. And I tried a lot of them, and I went to the hundred pounders meeting. and I just, I just did the best I could. And, and sure enough, I started to get, you know, my sponsor helped me with a food plan that started to work. And I started to lose weight. And I wasn't even, honest to God, I came into this program, I didn't think I could lose any weight. That's not why I came in. I was, um, I was done with everything else. I just, I felt so bad that I knew I had to do something. I, I knew I had to go somewhere and sit in a room with people. That's, that's as simple as I can put it. So with the sponsor, I started to actually work the program, and I was writing, doing the steps. I was going to meetings with her. I was, I was, we, started, uh, she, we created a food plan together that worked. It was on a losing type of food plan, and I was doing it, and she was doing it, and it was great. And... Um, and I just kept working the steps. And little by little, I started to feel better. Um, you know, I did everything I was supposed to do. I sponsored, I sponsored people, and um, I did tons of service. I got into the middle of the herd with our inner group. That's what really saved me. Because as I said, I didn't talk to anybody. I'm, I'm really shy, actually. Um, or I was really shy. My sponsor reminds me today. I have a sponsor now that um, I've had for about five years. 
um, and a true blessing in my life. And if I say, you know, I'm really shy, she'll say, Holly, as long as I've known you, you've never been shy. <laughs> but, and you know what? It, that's part of the change of the program. I, I really was. That's the truth. Um, so living in the solution, we are the message. Let's, let's, I'll try to concentrate on that. Anyway, the program works. Um, I got to a healthy body weight, and I've stayed here. I'm exactly half of 280 now. I, I've stayed at 140 pounds. I'm comfortable there. Um, any more or any less, I'm really not comfortable. But that seems to be where God wants me, and it's, it's very easy to stay here if I do all the stuff I have to do each day. And I do that gladly, too. I get up really early in the morning with the really underlined, okay, really early. And I do my reading and writing, whatever I'm working on at the time. Right now, I'm, I'm ready to read my sponsor a four-step on a kind of a specific issue. Um, and I've been through the steps probably three or four times. But like I say, I, I came on this, this issue that I had to work on, and I got uncomfortable. That's what makes me want to change, is I get uncomfortable with something. Talk to my sponsor, and we decided to work through the steps on it. So I'm going to read her a four-step in a week from Saturday. Um, and, and I'm going through stuff all the time. Like I, I do, a, I write a God letter in the morning. I write to God. Um, first, I thank God for my day. And then I write uh, whatever I, is bothering me that day, whatever pe- people bother me all the time. <laughs> I write, write them down and I put it in this God letter. And, and I was just putting it in my God box for a long time. And my sponsor suggested, she said, why don't you just read it to me? You want to read it to me? And I said, yeah, sure. So I read it to her. Then I put it in the box, shut the lid, and I do not open the lid, believe me, because this is stuff for God to handle that I write. So um, I do that, and then I get ready for work, and at 6 o'clock I start taking my sponsee calls, and they call bing, 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 bing. Um, And that works. And they're doing exactly what I'm doing. And we, you know... uh, um, call my sponsor at 8, and then I go into, I work all day, and I go into work, and I try to take a break. I forgot meditation. Oops, that's a big one. Um, I meditate in the morning as long as I can. Sometimes it's short, sometimes it's longer. Um, I try to take a break at 10 and go outside and just, you know, reconnect with God again, um, and I try to take a break at 3 o'clock because I, I need a decaf at that point, Okay. And I do the same thing. I, I got to step out of what I'm doing, step out of the stuff, and I say a prayer and I reconnect with God. And if I can sit for five minutes, I really try to do that. I go to four or five meetings a week. Um, and uh, then at night, I write a 10-step and tell my sponsor what happened during the day. It's very boring usually, thank God. Um, but anything that came out, you know, I, it's, it's right out of the big book. I just fill in the blanks and, and write a little bit, strengths, my strengths, my weaknesses. Um, and I send it off, and I send off my food for the next day. So she's got my food, she's got my 10 stuff. And then I, the next day I start again. And that's what the solution is for me, is to do all those things. And I say, I, I, you know, I do them happily, and I do them gladly. And um, because I, my life today is completely different than what it was. I, I, I really don't have any drama in my life today other than if I try to create some, which I do sometimes. <laughs> but uh, I try to shake it up, and, you know, I, and I, it doesn't work well. You know, my character defects come up. I get to tell my sponsor, and I get to work on them. 
A lot of times um, I get into, what's the worst one? Well, probably pride. I have a, a job. I work for a, a family, and I've worked for this family for 16 years. I can't believe it, but I've worked for this family for 16 years. And if I work for the father, and the son pops in every once in a while, and he's kind of type A, and um, no judgment. And, <laughs> and he, and if he, do you want to know the truth? I'm going to tell you the truth here. If he asks me something, like a question about something about my work, um, I puff up like a toad sometimes. And that is pride. I have pride about that. And I have to, I have to smash that down. I have to work on that. My ego and my pride. Um, I'm used to doing this job. And I'm used to not having too much input from anybody. My boss is 86 now. And, and I'm helping him with a lot of different things. It's extremely interesting working with him now because he's allowing me in. He never did. He's allowing me in to, I go to work at his office in his home once a week. And I help him with a lot more things, okay? And I'm learning new things. And but boy, if you ask me about something that I do automatically, or uh, you know, one of my everyday activities, I have to pause, check in with God. Sometimes answer. Sometimes I'll get back to you. That works really well. Um, I'll get back to you, Frank. Um, or let me get back to you. Or I'll you know I can talk to you this afternoon. And I have to I have to pull it back. Because I, I, realize, I realize I don't like to be asked about this stuff. I don't like to be questioned. Um, I know my job. I've worked there a long time. And none of that means anything. I'm, you see what I mean? Who signs my paycheck? My boss. And who do I work for? I work for God. That's it. I work for God. God is my employer. Um, and that's how I live my life today. How am I on time? Right? Okay. So... I told you what I do every day, and um, my connection with God, my step 11, is I work on it every day. When I get quiet, I have to make myself get quiet, all right? Or because I wake up with that, I wake up with the, the monkey brain sometimes. And it, like I say, it's very early, nobody's around. What I do love is... Um, some of my, one of my OA sisters is in Europe right now. At 4 o'clock in the morning, we're, just, we're talking on the text because that's a good time for somebody that's in Europe, 4 o'clock in the morning here. And I love to communicate with people. Um, I love to share my program. I love to talk to people in program. I keep a strong connection with a lot of people. And like I say, I stay in the middle of the herd of my inner group because that's how I stay abstinent. And abstinence being the most important thing in my life, I don't want to ever give it up, and I realize that only God can help me with that. So um, I really appreciate you guys listening, and thanks for letting me share. Okay. Can we have the ask it basket up here again? Is it, is it around? Is it full? Basket, basket. Yeah. Did everybody get it? There it is. Okay. Is there, is there questions? In, is there questions in there? Good. I'm going to come down and get them.
pause. Everybody talk to each other. Guys, there's no questions in here. This is just paper. Psych, who's got, who's got questions? They're all empty. Okay, why don't you just ask it? <laughs> Forget the basket. Yeah, I'll repeat it when I... Okay, the question is, how did I lose 140 pounds, and, and how did I do that, right? How, yeah, okay. Oh, well, we can talk about food later. I can talk to you about it. I, I, I went on a weight-losing food plan. Like I say, my sponsor helped me. She's a 100-pounder, too. At the time, she was a 100-pounder. Um, we started with a food plan that was pretty simple, right out of Dignity of Choice. That's the most excellent pamphlet we have, I think. It, the text in it is well-written, and they have food plans in there, and you can, you can pick and choose and see what works. But every food plan is individual. So I, we started with something, and I, and I took my, what we call in the valley, my red light foods, like stuff I can't eat, what's on my abstinence. My abstinence is three meals a day, no sugar. Um, it started out, there was a little list of food that I didn't eat. It, that's so obvious, I don't even mention it today. But um, three meals a day, no sugar. That's what my abstinence has been the whole time. And um, I eat the thing. I don't eat yellow stuff. I eat all my green light foods. That's what my food plan is made of, things that, things that work for me. Um, I don't eat red light foods at all. And I measure my protein, measure my starches, weigh my fruit, and I, how I regulate my weight or keep track of it, I should say, is by, I have to count calories. Um, when I did start on this downward losing, um, I went down way too far because my body kept going. I was on this weight losing food plan and it just kept going and I was, it really scared me. I looked awful, okay? I went down to 129 pounds without like, I, thank God I changed sponsors, and I had a sponsor that we, she crack-a-laughed it, I'm telling you. It's like, okay, we have to figure out exactly what you're eating because you have to increase it. And that's, it, the stuff that happens with, with, maybe with everybody, but I think with 100-pounders is that there's a lot of internal things that happen. When, like when I lost weight, I had to have my thyroid checked every three months. Things like that happen, and it's all, you just got to walk with it. It's like I was scaring myself in the mirror because I look so different. You got to walk with it. It's where God comes in. You have to trust God. I feel weird. Okay, just trust God. Talk to other people who have lost 100 pounds. That's, that's how I did it. Thanks. Is there any other questions? Or Yes. Great. Uh, the question was, how did I feel the first day I didn't practice bulimia and then how did I feel 30 days later? Um, I felt good and I felt bad. I felt um, 
I was amazed, like it was a miracle that it didn't act out in my disease. Um, but as I said when I shared, I had an incredible fear of weight loss, you know, uh, an insane fear of weight loss. And, um, and that started building and only started to diminish, I guess, after probably about 90 days of being um, free of binging and purging and on a, a sensible um, food plan that was developed um, with me by my sponsor. So, yeah, I felt good and it was, and it was a challenge. Yeah, thank you. Any other questions? Yes. Sure. Um, do you want to take that? Or you want to? Okay. Um, the di- what is the difference between abstinence and a food plan? Abstinence is, for me, like I say, it's three meals a day, no sugar, very, very simple. Abstinence is something that I do. It's absolutely black and white. Um, I'm either abstinent or I'm not. I do not have to question that. I know if I'm abstinent or not. Three meals a day, no sugar, perfectly. Um, a food plan is the plan that helps you, helps me, number one, number one, stay abstinent. Number two, obtain and maintain a healthy body weight. So whatever that means for anybody, that's what my food plan does for me, obtain and maintain a healthy body weight. That's the second thing. Um, like I say, I don't eat, I don't pick up things that make me crazy, and it took a while to decide what those things were, but as I tried things and X'd them off the list, I got things that I don't touch anymore. They are not on my food plan. So my food plan daily is just my stuff that I eat. It's all regular food. Um, and a food plan changes when, like I say, when I, had, when I was, had got underweight and I had to gain weight, it, or if it's a weight-losing food plan, it's weight-losing. It's for individual for everybody. But that's the difference between a food plan and your abstinence. Abstinence just stays in its black and white. So a food plan is my sobriety. In other words, my food is sober food, and I only eat sober food. keeps me abstinent. Good? Okay. Any other questions? Okay. Um, so what's our time? Okay, so we have now... Um, I'll see what time we're supposed to stop, but now we have 10 minutes. Hmm? Okay, 10 minutes for sharing. So anybody who wants to share can come up and share, and you have to sign the release that your voice will be recorded. So who would like to come up and share? Come on. We did it. It's not so bad. There's a mic. <laughs> Does anybody want to share? Okay. So let's have her sign the release. Okay. Cool. Hi. Hi. Um, so three minutes. Can you time for three minutes? Three minute shares? Mm-hmm. Yeah, three. And then you have to sign the release. Thank okay. you. Okay. I'm Garnett, compulsive reader. Hi. Thanks to both of you for sharing your stories. And I love the topic of this workshop of that we are the message, I think is what it is, or the message is the solution. 
And um, I still remember the first time I went to an Overeaters Anonymous meeting that really clicked for me. It was in um, 1987. It was a Saturday night meeting in Walnut Creek. And at that time, we got up and introduced ourselves, and we would say, I'm powerless over food. And standing up and saying, I'm powerless over food, was the most freeing thing I had ever felt myself say. And um, I'm not sure what I want to say besides that, other than the fact of how important it is that each of us shares our story with people we know on a one-on-one basis or in meetings like this because it really is hearing what other people's experience have been that we know we're all alike at some level. Our stories, the details might be a little different, but we all have food behavior issues. And um, I had been put on on a food plan by my doctor. My food plan was no dairy, no wheat, no corn, no sugar. And um, wheat products had been my buddy. And I didn't know how I would ever eliminate those. I I remember crying. I mean, just these big old crocodile tears running down my cheeks. Because that was my friend. And I thought, how can I let go of my best friend? I mean, that was part of me. And, And after a few months, it was hard for me to imagine that I didn't need that friend anymore at all. But until I did it, I didn't know that. And um, the truth is, being on that, I, and, I, and that was what my abstinence was for two years, was just none of those foods. And um, it actually didn't, through that food plan, I actually didn't achieve what the doctor had hoped I would achieve with it, because it wasn't, it was an allergy-related food plan. And but it changed my life, and it freed me of the food obsession, and it's the greatest gift I ever had. So, I just say that in terms of thanking you for sharing your message, and encourage all of us to share our message every day. Thanks. Who else would like to share? Ellie, you want to come up? I'm Allison. I'm a compulsive overeater. 100 pounders. I have 11 years of abstinence and a 100 pound weight loss. Thanks to this program, I'm grateful. Yay. Yay, God. Holly's my sponsor. And if she tells me to crack a lack, I crack a lack, and I don't always like it. I have, uh, so thank you very much for sharing and um, telling us a little bit about your pride and puffing up like a puffer fish, and I, I'm sure a few of us could relate. So what's going on for me, you know, I take everything personally. If my husband is sick and he's just kind of brooding, I think I did something wrong. You know, are you mad at me? Why are you like that? Because he's sick. He's like that when he's sick. I mean, for me, it's unless I'm doing this work, it, everything just, it's all about me. So, um, 
I work my program this, the way that Holly works the program. This is the only way I know how to work the program. I'm as honest as I possibly can be in my writing. I take time in the morning to get up and plan and pack and prepare my food, to get it ready, to take my sponsee calls, to do my writing, to read my literature, to go and exercise, to really take care of myself. I went to, um, I went to the doctor the other day. I got a new doctor at, and... Um, he was kind of taking my history. He said, you're the healthiest person I've seen all day. And you know what? That's true. I weighed 275 pounds, and I don't anymore. Um, I, I'm not like that anymore. I'm not that person anymore. My do- my, everything about my body is so healthy, but I take care of myself because nobody else is going to take care of me. You know, the, the people when I was a kid who were supposed to take care of me didn't particularly take care of me. Nobody's going to be as invested in me as God is, and I have to connect with God to find out. I have to take care of my body. I have to take care of my soul. It just... It doesn't just happen. You know, when I walked into this program, I thought there is no way I'm going to be able to do that work. There's no way I'm going to be able to take that time, make that commitment, make those changes, go to all those meetings with those people and that food. And I just, there's no way it could happen. And yet here I am 11 years later maintaining this weight loss. I literally, I put on clothes like my white jeans. It never occurred to me that they wouldn't fit. My life is that different now. I have clothes that I have to throw. I have this one suit that I love so much. And I, I looked at that suit the other day. It's so shabby. It's 11 years old. My cl- who, who, how did this happen? It's like one day at a time. I keep waking up and I ask God to help me and to make my food be enough to get me to the next meal. And I have three meals, life in between. It's a miracle. This program is a miracle. I'm so grateful to be here with everybody. And I like everybody now. It's kind of funny, too. Everybody's really nice. Um, so thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing. I love your accent. Is it Australia or New Zealand? Oh, sorry, Rick. Christine, would you like to share? Christine, recovering bulimic and compulsive overeater. Oh, I like the mic. It's kind of scary. <laughs> it's like an adrenaline rush. But um, thank you for both of you sharing your stories. Um, the first time I came to an OA meeting, um, I I was in so much pain because like I feel like I can't talk about this in the other twelve step meetings I go to, and I, I wouldn't because of the singleness of purpose and everything. But to hear someone else identify as being powerless over food, because it is, like, it manifests in different ways, you know. And just having that unmanageability with um, how I n- nourish my my body and my soul. Like, I liked um, the three-legged stool. You know, I can't have... Um, I can't have just focusing on the physical like I know that's not the that's not going to solve my problem and I've learned that the hard way and and um I actually I haven't binged or purged in over three years and um um 
And, you know, that first day, like, the first 30 days, the first, like, year, I would, like, you know, cry myself to sleep because I, that's, I, like, didn't know what else to do, you know. And I had been, you know, getting clean and sober and all that. But that was, the, that was, food was my first, um, you know, I, I started compulsively overeating when I was in fifth grade. And, and then seventh grade I was, you know, restricting. Eighth grade I was you know, binging and purging, and then it kept on like that until I got put into a program, um, and which, for once, took away some of the shame to see that there were other people like me, because um, I felt really isolated and alone. It was something I was never going to talk about. Um, no one would understand, and to be um, up here with other people that um, where we can speak so freely and open about this, it's a huge blessing, and it's a huge like weight off my shoulders. I don't have to cry myself to sleep anymore. I just cry to Annie. And then, and then everything's okay, you know. I have a choice not to, you know, obsess and compulsively overeat. Or, and even if, you know, things aren't going my way and my meal plan and everything isn't perfect, like, I know I've, the progress is just phenomenal. And so that's it. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. That was a great workshop. Um, so let's close the workshop. Thank you for being here. And we're going to circle up, join hands, and we're going to say the um, OA, the, this one. I put my hand in yours, and I have it right here. So you guys ready?